Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everyone that's uh, in the United States and around the world in a territory where there is, or it is the afternoon. Shalom. Peace. My name is Kennard. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God biblical instructional program. This program is for those people who really want to understand what the Bible's message is all about. I quote a lot of scriptures because in Jeremiah, let's turn there, Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23 states that I should do so. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 3, not chapter 3, 23, chapter 23. And he states here, in verse 29, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock. And he states here in verse 30, Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, and prophets are preachers too, declares the Lord, who steal my words from each other. Behold, I am against the prophets, declares the master who used their tongues, and declared the Lord declares. Behold, I am against those who have prophesied. False dreams, there's quite a few of those. Oh, I had a dream, I had a dream, I had a dream, declares the Lord, and related them and led my people astray by their falsehoods and reckless boasting. And that's really for those who are understanding or wanting to understand how can you verify whether or not someone has had a dream from God. Well, this pretty much tells you uh, in an easy way. It says, uh, Behold, I am against those who have prophesied false dreams, declares the Lord, and related them and led my people astray. So there's... If there's dreams that people tell you and it leads you astray <laughs> or it helps you to understand something in a false way, then those dreams certainly didn't come from God. And it says, And related them and led my people astray by their falsehoods and reckless boasting, yet I did not send them or command them, nor did they do they furnish this people the slightest benefit. Now, that, that's that's a really powerful scripture, verse 32, to help you understand the difference between a true Dream and a false dream. I, I I didn't realize I didn't know I would be going in this direction, but obviously Yah is uh, directing me to talk about dreams here all of a sudden. But it says, "Behold, I am against those who have prophesied false dreams," declares the Master, and related them and led my people astray. So first of all, false dreams lead people astray, and also it involves reckless boasting, and it does not benefit you at all. And I can remember a situation. Not giving a name is not necessary when this individual is saying, hey, we're going to have this, we're going to have that, uh, we're going to have this. Uh, I had a dream, and, and 
God told me this was going to happen, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And so when those things happen, then you know that the individual that said all these things, they're not qualified to even be a preacher or a minister consistently doing those things. Verse 33, now when this people, and this is in the context of a prophet, or I just recently learned uh, studying uh, Hebrew commentary that a prophet preaches, so that can also uh, refer to preachers as well. It says, now when this people or the prophet or priest ask you, saying, what is the oracle of the Lord? Then you shall say to them, what oracle? The Lord declares, I will abandon you. Then as for that prophet or the priest of the people who say the oracle of the Lord, I will bring punishment upon that man in this household. Now, you may be wondering, well, what does oracle mean? Well, let's take a look. Let's look at the the King James lexicon here. And let's take a look at, now, I was reading in the the New American Standard. Uh, Yeah, I was reading the New American Standard Bible. I'm going to read it in the King James here. And it means burden, and the word burden in Hebrew means mashal, and it means uh, utterance or of doom, utterance of doom, basically. That's what it means. Thus shall you say, every one to his neighbor and every one to his brother, what has the Lord answered and what has the Lord spoken? And so we have to understand here, and I'm going to go a little bit more in this this verse here, uh, where he commands us to speak his words. That's what I'm trying to find here. And he says, um, verse 21, I have not sent these prophets yet they ran I have not spoken to them. Yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my council and had caused my people the the Hebrew word for cause, uh it means to um I'm looking at it here. Okay, it really doesn't uh say exactly what it is here, but it says my people to hear my words. Now this the word here, Shema, means to intelligently understand. And that's the purpose of a preacher. That's why I'm, I have this blog talk radio to help you understand intelligently the very words of God. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what I'm trying to do here. And it states here in verse 22, but if they had stood in my council and had caused my people to intelligently hear my words and understand the words. That's what Shema means as well. Then they should have turned from their evil way and from the evil they're doing. So it's important for preachers, teachers to teach. Don't, then you're not going to help someone repent and turn from their evil way and from the evil they're doing. And so it's very important to preach his words. Preach his words. If you don't preach his words, then, folks, uh, you, you're really getting yourself in trouble, and uh, you're not benefiting yourself, nor are you benefiting the person who is uh, listening to you. And the, the purpose of speaking, certainly one of the major purposes, is to benefit the person uh, that is listening to you. And then in verse 16, it states, Thus says the master of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own mind and not of the mouth of the Lord. And the purpose of preaching again is speaking his very words, not your own words. And then, like I said, 
the purpose of a preacher is to, is, to, is to help people to understand intelligently his words, not your words, his words. That's why I preach, or that's why I quote so many scriptures. That's why I do it. So if anybody's ever wondered why I do it, well, I just explained to you why. Okay, so we're going to talk about, uh, we're getting ready to start this, the general cycle of the Moedim, or the the commanded assemblies or holy days that are found in Leviticus chapter 23 and Deuteronomy chapter 16 and Numbers 28 and 29. And these are the God's or Yah's feasts or holy days. These are not just the Jews' feasts. Uh, the Bible nowhere says it's to Jews. Well, it does in the New Testament, the Jews' Passover and all that. But when you go into the... Uh, the Old Testament uh, is certainly saying that these days are not just for the Jews. They're universal, despite what some Messianic uh, Jews are teaching. Uh, it's incorrect what they're teaching. It's universal. And it, and it, kinda, it does describe the entire plan of God, ladies and gentlemen. And so let me turn here to, and this is one scripture that has been so misunderstood, by Christianity, and I'm going to be preaching to them. I'm sure they may throw this at me, so I'm going to be prepared for it. But Colossians chapter 2, this is probably one of the most misunderstood scriptures of all time. Uh, Colossians 2, verse 16, Let no man therefore judge you, and that Greek word judge means uh, to, to, to condemn. We're not supposed to condemn anybody. You in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or the new moon or the Shabbat days. Now, this is interesting because they're talking about all the days that a complete Christian, a, a complete believer, should be observing. There's a difference between a partial believer and a complete believer. Verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come. So the holy days is a shadow of things to come. Even keeping the... Uh, cash root or the uh, kosher commandments and listen to Leviticus 11 Deuteronomy 14 about meat it, it, it pictures purity it, it pictures staying clean which is a part of the doctrine of immersions uh, which I'll talk about again in a future broadcast but it states here uh, of the new moon new moon it's a cleansing too it's, it's in Hebrew it's Rosh Hadish new moon and that uh, is another Bible study or of the Shabbat days which are a shadow of things to come. It's, it's just a shadow. That Greek word shadow means uh, shade. Okay? So it, it, it's a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Messiah. Now, the word is was added, so you have to take that word is off, and it means the body of Messiah. So the ones that could not condemn you but uh, see or can tell whether or not you're observing these days properly is the the assembly of Yah. That's the way you understand the scripture. It's not saying that you should not, just because it says don't let anyone judge you doesn't mean you shouldn't obey the commandment <laughs> or keep these days, ladies and gentlemen. That, that's another um, Bible study altogether. And in the, in the context of this misunderstood scripture, you have verse 14 of Colossians. It says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. That word ordinances does not mean Torah or law. It means uh, it does mean law, but it's a it's a uh, it means dogma. It's civil. It's a civil or ceremonial law. It's, it's not the law of God. So it's talking about man's laws. Because how can God's laws be against us? 
how can God's laws be contrary to us? Unless we're evil, of course. All right. And so anything that is against the Torah, the true instructions of God, was nailed to the cross. That's what was nailed to the cross. That's how you understand that scripture in light of other scriptures. But that's another Bible study. As a matter of fact, my um, my uh, featured program on here covers all that. It's a two-hour Bible study of, of explaining that Yeshua or Jesus did not mean to say that we only keep six commandments. All right? Or I think it's five or six. All right, so let's talk about what this uh, program is about in the remaining 17 minutes. <laughs> the great significance of Pesach, that's in Hebrew, but in English is Passover. Passover. What does Passover represent? Well, let me read Deuteronomy 16, verse 1 to 8 to give you a short synopsis, a summary of it. It states here, observe the month of Aviv, where we are. We are in the month of Aviv right now. This is the first month of the year as far as observing religious days or holy days are concerned. And keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God. For the month of Aviv, the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. So he brought them out by night. So they left by night, not during the day as some people are erroneously teaching. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the master of the flock and the herd in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. And some people are earnestly sacrificing lambs all over the place, and, and the Bible commands us to do it at the places he chose. He's, cho- he's chosen Jerusalem. Right now there is a suspension because the temple's not built. They don't have the, uh, the priests. Uh, they're getting the priests ready as I speak at the templeinstitute.org to one day resume that, but right now they have not. And so you can go to templeinstitute.org if you don't believe me. But uh, they are in preparation of building the temple and starting the sacrifices again as prophesied according to Bible prophecy. Anyway, thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread therein, even the bread of affliction. For thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt, or Mitzrayim, as in Hebrew, in haste, that thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. And there shall, and we're supposed to remember this all the days of our life. And there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in all thy coats for seven days. Neither shall there anything of the flesh which thou sacrifices the first day at evening. Now this is interesting. It talks about the seven days of unleavened bread. There's, a, there's, a, there's I know one particular teacher that teaches that the Passover begins at thirteen at evening, and or. And it does not. It begins at 14 at evening. This is total proof of it because it's talking about above the seven days. The first day is the first day of unleavened bread. And it says, Thou shalt sacrifice the first day at evening. It certainly cannot be talking about the 15th at evening. So it must be talking about the 14th at evening. So this is the scripture that helps us to understand that the Jews are correct in observing the Passover at the right time. So it says right here, Neither shall there Anything of the flesh which thou sacrifices the first day at evening, remain all night into the morning. So uh, for those who are listening to me for the first time, a Jewish day begins in the evening. That's proved when you study the first chapter of Genesis or Beshari, um, Yeah, in Hebrew. All right, so thou, shalt, thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover in any or Bereshit, that's what I was saying in Hebrew. Bereshit means Genesis in Hebrew. Thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover in any other gates which the master thy God giveth thee, 
but at the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name. And people, we got to believe what the Bible says. We can't do what we want to do. We don't sacrifice Passover lamb. We can't be doing it anyway because there's no temple in the first place. But we shouldn't be doing that anyway. There shall, there thou shalt sacrifice the Passover at evening, at the going down of the sun. So the Passover at evening is the first day at evening. Okay, that that's that's what it's talking. Which thou sacrifices the first day at evening. That has to be the fourteenth at evening, around that time, at the going down of the sun, the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt. So at the going right before the first day. That's when we have the Passover. Then in the evening, that begins the 15th day. All right? So at the going down the sun, at the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt, and thou shalt roast and eat it in the place which the master thy God shall choose, and thou shalt turn it in the morning and go into thy tent. Six days shalt thou eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day shall be a solemn assembly uh, to the Lord thy God. Thou shalt do no work therein. All right, so, and where is proof in the New Testament we should be keeping this? In 1 Corinthians 5, verse 68, it says, Your glorying is not good, know ye not that a little leaven leavens a whole lump. So leaven, even though in other contexts it can be positive, in the context of Passover is negative. All right, it says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. Unleavened, in this case, represents sincerity and truth the very words of God. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So Christ became symbolically the lamb for Passover. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So unleavened bread, it represents sincerity and truth. Truth, according to the Bible, is the entire commandments of God, the law of God. Psalm 119, one. 42 uh in, in psalm 119 151 and john 17 verse 17 write those scriptures down if you didn't have a pencil when i said it uh, after this broadcast you can always re listen to it or you can listen to it over again in the archives and, and write those scriptures down so that's the easiest way for me to understand uh, to explain to you passover and and what it's about uh you could uh Google some information on how to keep Passover over the Internet. I don't have time to go into detail about how to keep it. There's plenty of information on the Internet on how to keep it. Um, and I do have in the archives, I've done some other Bible studies on how to keep Passover. But the definition of Passover, it means protective and saving offering. And the simplest way I can under, I can explain Passover uh, the, the significance of it. Uh, I can quote a few scriptures here in First in John chapter one, verse twenty-nine. States the following: The next day, John sees Yeshua or Jesus coming unto him and says, "Behold, the Lamb of God." And what does the Lamb of God do? Which takes away the sin of the world, and that sin, of course, was the sin that caused death, and that's what the Lamb sacrifice did to take away that sin of the world and what did that sin do that sin if we go back to genesis blocked immortality from mankind genesis chapter 3 genesis chapter 3 genesis chapter 3 verse 22 this is of course after 
Adam and Eve took, or Adam and Hava, they took of the fruit that they should not have taken. And Genesis 3, or Bereshit 3, verse 22, And the master, Yah, said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now that not he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life, eat and live forever. So this is the definition of the tree of life. The tree of life is immortality. And God did not want Adam and, uh, and Hava or Adam and Eve to eat of the tree of life and to live forever. In verse, 20, verse 23, Therefore the master sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of the Eden of Eden cherubims, or cherubims, very powerful angels, the, the most powerful angels. It's cherubims, yeah, that's how you pronounce it. Cherubims, I get it confused sometimes. Cherubims, and a flaming sword was turned every way to keep the way of the Tree of Life. So, I want you to see this, the tree of life, certainly, or understand this, the tree of life represents immortality, ladies and gentlemen. It represents immortality. It was blocked from mankind. And so something had to happen to open the door to give mankind an opportunity for immortality again, to have the opportunity to be able to live forever because that was closed because of sin. And that, that needs to be stressed that without that, without the Messiah sacrificing his life for all of mankind, then mankind would be doomed. We certainly would not have the opportunity for salvation, ladies and gentlemen. And then in John chapter uh, John chapter 3, let's go to John chapter 3, verse 16, one of the most Famous scriptures ever quoted. Uh, they quote one verse, but they don't quote the rest of it. In John 3, verse 16, let's, let's, let's quote this and then the rest of it. It says, For Yah so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. Perish means to be utterly destroyed, but have everlasting life. So that proves my point that without him becoming the Lamb that takes away the sin, or sins of the world, then we would not have the opportunity for salvation. And salvation being being saved or delivered from death. Verse 17, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already. And believe, you'll see, as I read this, that believing is not just believing in Jesus. Oh, I know what a man existed. No, it means to do what he says, ladies and gentlemen. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of Man. So how do you believe in the name of the Son of God? Well, let's continue on and read this. Verse 19. And this is the condemnation. So the Bible is interpreting itself here, what the condemnation is, that light is coming to the world. What is the light? If you read the first chapter of John, you'll find out that the light is the Messiah. So the Messiah is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than the Messiah because their deeds were evil. So we're talking about deeds here. Verse 20, for everyone that does evil hates the light, the Messiah. Neither comes to the Messiah that not his deeds should be reproved or corrected or exposed. Okay? That's what that Greek word means. Verse 21, but he that doeth truth, so you have to do truth. That's one of the most powerful scriptures in the entire Bible. But he that doeth truth, you have to do truth. Truth is keeping all the commandments. Truth 
is keeping all the instructions and, and doctrines of God. But he that doeth truth comes to the light. So you will fully come to Messiah by doing the truth, that his deeds may be made manifest, that, he, that they are wrought in God. And then there's a companion scripture of this in uh, 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Isn't that something? They're talking about the same thing, but it's an expansion of this, 1 John 3. That's why I know the King James Version was inspired by Almighty God, and I'm getting tired of people knocking the translation. Uh, a translation is a translation. Of course, there's going to be some, some errors in it, but uh, we can get around it through Strong's Concordance and other lexicons. Anyway, 1 John 3, verse 16. Where, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. Talking about the same thing, but it's giving us more information and understanding about it. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So just like Yeshua gave his life for all of mankind, we should be wanting to give our lives for all of mankind. That's what he's saying here. Uh, verse 17, But whosoever have this world's goods and see if his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? It's impossible. And he says, My brethren, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That's how you love. You love through your actions, not what you say, but what you do. And truth is defined in the Bible, again, as keeping all the doctrines and commandments of God. Psalm 119, 142, John 17, verse 17. Okay, and Psalm 119, 151. And so these are scriptures that you, that you should inculcate within your being. First uh, John chapter 2. Verse 1 is another key scripture here to help you understand the Passover. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. So God does not want us sinning. Because what does sin cause, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, death. Death. Not just to human beings, but to animals. My, my cat just recently died. I'm not going to go on a, a sob story about that. But uh, it, it just made me realize again that animals die, you know, and humans die. Death is 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 prevalent in society because of what our first parents did. And so we we have to do the best we can to eliminate it once God gives us the information to do so. And he says that if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. So he's the advocate, and he's the propitiation, meaning the uh, he's the covering, he's the mercy seat, propitiation cover, and that's another Bible study, for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. His blood purifies us. Verse 3, And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that says, I know him and keep him not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So he's not expecting you not to, to, not to do something after the, the, the sacrifice, as I'm going to show you in another scripture, should encourage us to stop sinning. And it should encourage us to keep the commandments. Verse 4, He that says, I know him and keep him not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keepeth his word in him, verily is, is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. He that said he's abide in him all himself also to walk even as he walked. And when Yeshua walked, he kept his father's commandments. And so we should be doing the same, ladies and gentlemen. If he kept his father's commandments, then we should keep the father's commandments as well. And so that that is a very powerful scriptural argument to say that we need to keep the holy days like he did. And if he... If we are one with him, if we are betrothed as his bride, then we do what our husband does. We follow his lead. And so I'm tired of people preaching that you don't have to keep the Sabbath holy days. That's, that's, that's a bunch of garbage. You need to keep the, and that's a lie. You need to keep the, and you are, it's a commandment to obey those commandments. 
And if you don't, then and if you understand that you need to, then you're in trouble. You are in trouble. I have to tell you that. And so uh, let's understand that the Messiah died for us, and he 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 died so that we can keep the commandments. Not he didn't keep the commandments so we don't have to. We have to follow him. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way. He is the ultimate human thing to show us the way. Hebrews 9, verse 14, How much more shall the blood of Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to Yah, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And so we are to serve the living God. And verse 13 says, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling your unclean sanctified the purifying of the flesh, all those sacrifices only purified the people to appear before Yah back then. It did not take away uh, sin. How much more shall the blood of uh, Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And so I'm going to go off the air here in the next 43 seconds. I'm probably going to be on here another maybe two to five minutes to, to finish up, and then after that you can listen to this program in the archives. I just got to make an important point before I close today. So if I go off the air, then uh, you'll be able to listen to the entirety of this program in the archives, I would think probably in the next uh, 30 minutes after I retire, which would be about, at the most, five minutes at the least, about two or three minutes. So um, continue on here, and uh, you should be able to listen to the rest of this program in its entirety. Okay, so I'm going to talk about another key scripture in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, verse 1, For the Torah, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of those things, can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers therefore perfect. So the purpose, God wants to make us complete so we don't ever sin again. That's the, that's the purpose here. And verse 2, For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. And so he doesn't want us to even think about sin. So how can we really stop sinning consistently if we keep on thinking about the sin? So, Verse 3, but in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance again of the sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Taking away sins is not just forgiving you of the sin, but also ridding your mind of the consciousness of, of, of what that sin was so you can stop sinning. And so during this Passover season, when you eat the unleavened bread, think of the unleavened bread as being the, the, the word of God and that we must eat the Word of God, and how do you eat the Word of God? You eat the Word of God by studying and obeying the Scriptures. Uh, there's Scriptures in Ezekiel 3, verse 1 to 3, Revelation 10, verse 9 to 10, Acts 17, verse 11, uh, to, to help you understand that concept. Uh, you, you eat it by studying the Word of God. And then the wine purifies our mind, the blood purifies our mind, our consciousness, so that we can stop sinning. So, during your Passover Seder, when you do that, when you drink the wine and and then when you eat of the matzah, uh, the unleavened bread, picture that in your mind. That's the simplest way that I can explain it to you. And one last scripture here in First Peter, First Peter, chapter one, verse sixteen to twenty-two. First Peter, chapter one, verse sixteen to twenty-two, because it is written, "Be ye kiddushim or holy, for I am holy." Verse 17, and if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judges according to everyone's work. So 
we have to do something because he's going to judge us according to our work past the time of your sojourning in fear. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but the precious blood of Messiah as a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's how. That's what you. The cup of redemption. That's the the cup that uh, he drank during his last supper, which was like a Passover seder. But so, with the precious blood of Messiah as the lamb without blemish and without spot. Verse twenty. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation in the world. He was foreordained before the foundation in the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Verse twenty. But by who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that you that your faith and hope might be in God and verse 22 seeing you have purified your soul that's what the blood does the blood of Messiah purifies our souls and obeying the truth and so through the Passover it's a rehearsal every year to purify our souls so that we can obey the truth and obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren and see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. And this backs up what the Jewish encyclopedia says about the day. Let's read this here. The Passover sacrifice. It's like a peace offering. And they're making a point here. It says the Paschal sacrifice belongs to the Shalamim, or the peace offerings, thus forming one of the sacrifices in which the meal is the principal part and indicates the community between God and man. It is really a house or family sacrifice in each Household is regarded as constituting a small community in itself, not only because the lamb is eaten at home. This is if you could eat the lamb, but we can't. So we symbolically eat the lamb, knowing that it's not the Passover sacrifice. But also because every member of the family is uh, obligated to partake of the meal on pain of excommunication or or being put out of the assembly. So this is a a serious matter. Although each man must be circumcised and, and all must be ritually clean. That is to eat of the Passover uh, meat, but since uh, there is no temple, then that does not apply here. Um, the Jews always allow the non-Jews to attend their seder, and they don't eat a Passover lamb anyway because there's no Passover lamb. There, there's no no Passover is being sacrificed at Jerusalem right now. So if you eat any lamb, it's just symbolic, but it's not the actual Passover sacrifice. So anyway, it says the fact that the Paschal Lamb might be killed only at the central sanctuary of Jerusalem, on the other hand, implies that each household was but a member of the larger community. And this is indicated also by the national character of the sacrifice, which kept alive in the memory of the nation, the preservation and liberation of the entire people. So Pesach is not just a separate event for your your individual families. It's also a community event. All the families gather together at Jerusalem, and they fellowship with each other. And then the first day of unleavened bread, they're all out, and, and they fellowship with each other. It's such a wonderful time. It's a time of uh, of not holding your head down and crying because uh, Yeshua died for us. It's a happy occasion. And it's, a, it's the start of the entire plan of God to save mankind. And what that simply means is to allow mankind to have the chance to be immortal. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let's turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it states plainly that that is the goal. That is the goal. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But now is Messiah risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. 
So he's the first of the first fruits. Verse 21, for since by man came death, by man also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Messiah shall all be made alive. So everyone's going to be resurrected again to be judged. Verse 23, but every man in his own order. So it's not every, there's going to be separate resurrections. Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ or Messiah that is coming. Then comes the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to Yah, even the Father, when he shall put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And then right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 50, it says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So that means that we all have to be changed into something else. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So if we have to put on immortality, then no human being has immortality, despite what some people have taught or are teaching. Verse 54, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be bought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory, O death, where is thy sting, O grave, where is thy victory? And for proof that uh, we are not immortal yet, First Timothy chapter 6, First Timothy chapter 6, tells us that uh, we are not immortal. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 15, which is his time, First Timothy 6, verse 15, which in his time he shall show who is the blessed and only Pontentet, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, who only has immortality. So right now, of course, the Father and Yeshua only have immortality. Uh, dwelling in the light which no man can approach, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom honor and power everlasting. Amen. So let's understand that the Messiah opened the door to immortality again, and now for us to enter, we must do the following uh, I thought I would read one last scripture, but I, you know, I always quote scriptures here. I mean, that's a good habit. Revelation 22, verse uh, 14. It says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to enter the tree of life. The tree of life is symbolic of living forever, immortality, and may enter in through the gates of the city. And so that's what Passover pictures, the opportunity through the sacrifice of Messiah to allow us to be able to have the chance for immortality, but we do that by doing the commandments, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to enter into the uh, the gates of New Jerusalem, we must keep the commandments. So may Yah bless and keep you and those who are having a Passover Seder this year. Have a wonderful Passover Seder, whether you're doing it on the Jewish calendar or on a new men calendar. Shalom. Peace. And Yah willing, I'll be available to speak to you in a couple of weeks. Shalom. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. 
But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. <laughs> 